0: of the Lord in this place today. Isn't God good? Can I preach? Can I preach? Then take your Bibles and let's crack open the Word of God and let's just see what He has for us. Stand on your feet with me just for another minute or so. Turn with me to the book of Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. I don't know how long you've been going here, but Jonah chapter 2, I'm going to preach to those seven people. We're excited about the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is life-changing, life-giving. It is what brings us hope and help. So if you're excited about Jonah chapter 2, somebody let the Lord know it today. I'm going to need some help with this message, as you can see. I'm a little under the weather may at times even be seated, which is certainly unlike me, but we're going to, we're just going to let God do what he's going to do, because I believe he has a word for us today. But before we read John chapter 2, I, I want to digress some and take you to a passage of scripture, really a verse of scripture that I read to you last week, that is certainly applicable At least the concept that is in this narrative or in this verse of Scripture is applicable to the context of the narrative that we will explore today. It's in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Can I read it to you? Can I read it to you? Here's what it says. It says, here's what Peter wrote. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. He says, cast all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. It doesn't say cast some of your anxiety upon him. It says cast all of it. In some of your translations, it says, cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. It's a directive. It's not cast some, it's cast all. At some point in time, somebody's going to get excited about this verse of scripture. Cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. In other words, your shoulders weren't meant to carry the burden that you're carrying. You should cast it on him. What Peter is telling us is that this is not a passive aggressive verse. Peter is telling us that any anxiety that is on you that has caused you to be overwhelmed, whether it is self-inflicted or externally inflicted upon you to cast it all upon God because he cares for you. Peter is also showing us two things. One, he's showing us a benefit of God that God cares for us, but he's also showing us one of our weaknesses, Stephen. That weakness is for us to release some things that hold us down. That unwillingness to release those things. So Peter, the fisherman, is giving us an illustration here. When he uses the word cast, it is the Greek word epiripto. The Greek word epiripto, it paints an image of a fisherman casting a net. And when you cast a net, your hands are left in the upright position. It's kind of a position of worship. But in the context in which he used it in, it not only means that, but it also means to rip off, to hurl off, to tear off of you violently and throw it on to the shoulders of Jesus. It means to rip something off of you that is too heavy for you because you weren't meant to carry that heavy burden. You, it, it, you, you're you, supposed to rip off of you in a violent way and throw it on to the shoulders of Jesus because he cares for you. Cast your cares upon him. Somebody needs to look at your neighbor and say, I'm not going to carry what God meant for me to cast I am not going to carry what God meant for me to cast because what he's saying to you is you need to rip off of you that sorrow rip off of you that 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 difficulty rip off of you that sickness rip off of you that calamity rip it off of you and then you experience the benefit of verse 10 verse 10 says and the God of all grace after you have suffered for a little while will himself reach down and restore you I don't know if you're getting this but his grace is more than enough at the moment that you Have any epiripto moment, and your hands are in the air, and your heart's in a position of worship. Grace floods on the scene, and freedom and bondage cannot coexist because the grace that God is giving to us, after you have suffered for a little while, He will Himself restore you. Somebody ought to give God praise up in this place. If I'm going to preach my voice out, I'm going to need some help. You ready for what God has for you? For some of us, the thing that we need to cast is a mindset that we have over the destination that we're in. Or in Jonah's case, over the destination that he was called to. Let me say it this way before you're seated. Sometimes we place more weight or we allow a destination to outweigh our faith-filled destiny so before you're seated i'm going to take you to jonah chapter two but i want you to look at your neighbor and announce to them the title of today's message destiny biased look at another neighbor and say destiny biased Look at somebody you did not choose and say, destiny biased. And say it just like I did, like Kermit the Frog. And then be seated. I'm going to take you to Jonah chapter 2. But before I actually read anything in Jonah, I I need to read verse 17 of chapter 1. Because it's what happens in verse 17 of chapter 1 that begins to change some things in Jonah's life verse 17 says now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights now hang on for a second because I hear so many people get tripped up over this how how could that be possible how how could he live in the belly of a fish for three days but when you think about the grandeur of God, in my opinion, this is not even a top 10 miracle. I mean, think about God who created everything that you see, the heavens and the earth with one spoken word. Think about God bringing the Israelites over the, through the Red Sea by parting the waters, enabling them to walk across on dry ground. Think about the resurrection of Christ. So here you have Jonah who's in the belly of the fish, been there for three days and for three nights because he's running because god called him to a destination called nineveh but he didn't want to go there so he's running from the presence of god running from the presence of god because he didn't want to go to the wicked city of nineveh if you'll remember i told you last week that nineveh was a very wicked place just a couple of their practices If you were one of their foes, they would skin you alive, frame your skin on their walls, bury you up to your neck while you're alive, then drive a stake through your mouth and drive your chin into the ground. After you died, they would cut your head off, and anybody in your family, women and children, throw the heads over the wall as if to say, if you mess with us, this is what's going to happen to you and God said to Jonah go to Nineveh Jonah said okay I'm gonna go down to the port city of Joppa and he goes down there and there just so happens to be a boat ready to take him in the opposite direction to Tarshish so he boards the boat to Tarshish the storm comes up the men on the boat realize they have to throw him over they have to cast him off if you will In order to save their own lives, they cast him overboard, and all of a sudden, Jonah becomes fish food. Gulp. And then verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 1 happens. It says, from inside of the fish, from where? From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. From inside of the fish. So Jonah is trying to avoid... A destination, And now he finds himself in an, another undesirable destination. There's so much happening, Mark, in this prayer. Here is Jonah now wanting to hear from the very voice that he's been trying to run from. Most theologians believe that this prayer takes place at the end of the third day. Showing to us that there's been a shift in his heart. He's no longer fighting the plan of God, if you will, and it shows us so much faith in this verse because here he is in in the belly of a fish at the bottom of the ocean. He's as far away from God as he can go, but yet he still expects God to be there. In fact, let me read something to you. Beginning in verse 2, it says, He said in his prayer, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me from the deep in the realm of the dead i called for help and you listened to my cries anyone ever been there let me just read a few more verses stay with me upstairs i'm making a little change here you hurled me into the depths into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me all of your waves and breakers they swept over me i said i have been banished from your sight yet i will look again toward your holy temple The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me from you forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Hold on a second. Go back to verse 2. Verse 2 he says, In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. Here's what Jonah is saying is that he is showing us, the reader, that he knows that even though he's as far away as he can be from God, that God is still there. This verse reminds me, if you will, of another verse that Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Paul tells us that it is theologically impossible for any destination in your life to separate you from the love of God. It is impossible for any destination in your life to separate you from the love of God. And here's what he writes. He says, who shall separate us? Here's the question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, harass, or hardship, I can't see that far, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Hmm. That's the question, who shall separate us? In verse, go to verse 38, skip to verse 38. Verse 38, he begins to outline for us some of those destinations. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hold on a second. I don't know if you're grabbing this. I don't know if you're catching what I'm throwing because here it's, 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 Paul, outlining for us all of these destinations, he's saying that there is no destination, there is no problem, there is no difficulty, there is no situation, there is no calamity that can come against you in such a way that it can overcome the God who's inside of you. What he is saying to us is that every situation, every calamity, every difficult, every destination that you find yourself in, that God is greater. And everything that you can name as a problem, there is a name that is greater than that problem. Nineveh, God is greater. In the belly of a fish, God is greater. Your calamity, God is greater. Your difficulty, God is greater. The destination that you find yourself in, God is greater. Because neither height nor depth can separate us from the love of God. That's Paul talking about destination. But the reason why destination cannot separate us from the love of God is because what we find in verse 37, which I skipped on purpose, verse 37, Paul gives us our destiny. Here's our destiny. Verse 37 says, no. Remember the question is, is there anything that can separate us from the love of God? Paul then says, "No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus who that's our destiny." That's our destiny. You need to understand that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus who loves you. So when you find yourself in a destination that feels like you are losing, you need to remember your destiny. Your destiny is you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus who loves you. And that is why Jonah could cry out in verse 2. In my distress, I cry out to the Lord, and I know he hears my cry. Let me give you this thought, and then I'm going to do some work to support it. We must stop fictionalizing the why of our problem. So many times in life, I hear people talk about destination and destiny. There's this great confusion between the two. Sometimes we place more weight on destination than we do destiny, sometimes we wrongly allow our destination to become our destiny. But there is a major difference between destination and destiny. Let me use Jonah to illustrate that. Jonah, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was not Jonah's destiny. It was his destination. Grab it. It was not his destiny. It was his destination that he had been assigned to. Not a person, place, or thing, or location, or destination can define your destiny. Only God can define your destiny. The destiny that God had for Jonah was to have a heart that was at one with him. That was his destiny. That's why in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And the reason why the word of the Lord could come to Jonah is because Jonah was always with the word. Grab this. Destiny and destination are are, are two different things. They can coexist. Now, grab this. All Christ followers, your destiny, your destiny, grab this, is to have a heart like Christ. Jonah's destiny was to have a heart like Christ. Had Jonah been living his destiny rather than worrying about his destination, let me say this again. Had Jonah been living his destiny, his destination would not have been a problem. Mm. <laughs> you see, we, if you are living your destiny, your destination is not a problem. God was not overwhelmed with the destination of Nineveh. God was overwhelmed with the condition of Jonah's heart. When you begin to live your destiny, your destination will not be a problem. Some of you, I don't know who this is for, but some of you are in a destination, you're complaining about that destination, or you're hoping for another destination. You're saying, I wish I had a better job. I could do better than my boss can do. I, 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 wish, I, had, I wish I had more money. I, I wish I had a, a better marriage. You're complaining about your destination. You're, that means that you're living according to the problems of your destination. You need to realize you've got to live according to the promise of your destiny, because your destiny will impact your destination. If I wasn't sick, I'd be jumping up and down. I think in a lot of ways, we're a lot like Jonah. We want destiny, but without the responsibility of destination. I mean, we want Jonah chapter one, verse one, and the word of the Lord came. We want that Sunday morning worship experience to go with us all week. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We want to take what happens right here and and go with it all week long. The problem is the destination of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday wears out that word that you got on Sunday. Anybody ever been there? (laughs) Maybe I'm preaching to myself. But can I tell you something? God did not come to preach to your Sunday. God came to change your heart so that you would preach to your Monday. So that you would preach to Destination Tuesday. So that you would tell Mundane Monday about the magnificence of God. You would tell the trials of Tuesday, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You would tell the weariness of Wednesday that my God's going to give me rest. You would tell the temptation of Thursday, you got to go because if God is for me, tell me who can be against me. Somebody help me praise the Lord this morning. So there's this systems adjustment, if you will. You see, God is is concerned about the operating system of your heart. In fact, I wrote something down that I want to share with you. It's not even in your notes. This is going to be free, no charge. I wrote this down. You see, it was not that Nineveh had Jonah a wreck. You know, going to Nineveh, that did have Jonah bothered. But there were, as you get further into the story, you realize why. It's because he didn't want God's grace to explode on the scene. So what was causing Jonah to be a wreck was not Nineveh. It was the condition of his heart. You with me? So, so I wrote this down. You see, if you don't operate according to your destiny, the destination that you've been assigned to will dictate your response. Who Lord have mercy, that's good. Let me read it again. If you do not operate according to your destiny, the destination that you've been assigned to will dictate your response. Think about this with me for a moment. If your heart is not lined up with the heart of God when it comes to love, you will only love people that love you. But Jesus said to love your enemies and to pray for those who hurt you. Mm. But when you live destination biased, You begin to look at your destination, analyze, and predict every problem that exists. Let me illustrate this for you. Research tells us that when a guest comes to church for the first time, they're not looking for a reason to stay. They're looking for a reason why not to stay. It's a pessimistic mindset. In fact, psychologists call this my side bias or confirmation bias. In fact, let me read you the definition of confirmation bias. It is defined as this, as a tendency to interpret new evidence as confirmation of one's existing beliefs. Did you grab that? Let me give it to you again. It's a tendency to interpret new evidence as confirmation of one's existing beliefs. So you go to our website and you're like, okay, I'm gonna go to church there. But I guarantee you when we get there, the music's gonna be loud. It's gonna be totally different. It's gonna be like this light show. I guarantee you the pastor's not gonna be wearing preacher clothes. (laughs) And bam, you get what you predicted. Why? Because you already came in with that bias. It works in every area of your life. You begin to complain about your job, you complain about your boss, you complain about it, complain about it, complain about it. At the end of the day, you wonder why you received everything that you were complaining about. It's because you were already expecting it. You complain about your husband and what he's not doing, guess what's going to happen? All he's going to do is continue to confirm what you already believe. So you come into church and you're looking at every other thing, every other reason not to get engaged in worship. You're looking at all of that. You're looking at the lights, the sound, this, that. Uh, You're looking at all of it. And what you miss is the revelation from God that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So Jonah is living this this destination-biased life. But something happens in verse 9. Let me read to you verse 9. Verse 9 says this. It says, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, somebody say grateful, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Lord have mercy. This is a powerful verse. Remember the scene, he's in the belly of a fish. All of a sudden, praise begins to break out. And he says, there's an about face, but I with shouts of grateful praise. Can I tell you something? Gratefulness, when you live according to gratefulness, it will compel your heart to obedience. So he says, With shouts of grateful praise. I will sacrifice those to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, Salvation comes from the Lord. Now, all of a sudden, He remembers I've got a destiny. There's an about face here. It's no longer about the destination, it's about the destiny. My salvation comes. From the Lord, when you begin to live this destiny-biased life, you're no longer looking for the worst, but you're believing for the best. You're no longer living this pessimistic lifestyle, but you're living this optimistic lifestyle. You're no longer living in destination anger, but now you're living in desti- desti- or really destiny grace. You're no longer living in unforgiveness, but you're walking in love. You're no longer complaining about your situation, but rather you now realize that you don't have to complain about your destiny because your, or your destination because your destiny will impact your destiny destination aren't you glad that God didn't look at you and complain about where you were aren't you glad that he looked past all of that brokenness and said I have a destiny for you I have a plan for you it's not a plan to harm you but a plan to prosper you Mm. if there was a place in my notes that would say they should be on their feet at that moment it would have been right there Let me help you understand something about this psalm. This psalm is really, in many places, it is Jonah quoting some psalms. Darren, that tells us that Jonah knows the word of God. It's impossible for you to stop fictionalizing your problem if you don't know the word of God. Verse 9 again, let me read it to you because... I want you to sense this praise that is breaking out. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Hold on a second. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says, cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. Are you seeing something here? If you'll remember last week, they had to cast Jonah off the boat in order to save their lives. Now Jonah is inside of this fish, and I'm not sure exactly how he's casting. I don't know if he's on his back. I, I know he doesn't have, like, the nursery rhyme shows you a candle, and he's reading. That's not there. I hate to mess up your storyline in your head, but but here he is, and he says, My salvation is the Lord. There is a realization that I've got to cast off this heaviness onto God because he is my salvation. There is this cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. There is this incredible praise that is beginning to 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 break through in, in, in his life. He's beginning to have this breakthrough kind of praise. It's getting louder inside of the belly of this fish. It's getting louder. And he's saying, God, I cast it all upon you because I know that you are my light. You are my salvation. You are my hope. You're the one who fills my cup. You're the one who's in control of my destiny. You're the one who controls my destinations you are my salvation you are my help you are my hope you are my destiny and i cast it all upon you because the god of all grace after you have suffered for a little while will himself restore you so cast it off of you and when you have breakthrough kind of praise you'll have a breakout kind of day If you're not on your feet, stand on your feet. Let me read verse 10. Verse 10 says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. (laughs) The thing that was holding him could not withstand the praise that was inside of him. that word for somebody in this place today. God has that word for you. Grab hold of it. And Don't look at this story as if this was a story where God was paying Jonah back. This is not that. It is a story where God is bringing Jonah back.